0: One guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and together they're just two guys talking. Pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildey and John Coon. It is the John Coon Podcast.
1: Have you ever started one of your shows without the patented Jason Wildey? It is.
0: (laughs) I am not a classically trained radio guy.
1: Well, I mean, I feel like we've been on the radio enough. I feel like you start
0: every, I do. You're every, right. Every I'm radio. totally guilty.
1: It is the Jason Wilde's Wearing Oregon Again episode. Jason Wildy <laughs> has shorts on with his short shoes episode. Or uh. it is Jason Wildy wearing pants <laughs> with his pant shoes episode, which I found out from you in the latest weeks that depending on your shoes is whether or not you'll wear- Short. Now most people wear their shoes like they pick their shoes based off of their shorts or their pants or their shirt combination, but you go opposite. <laughs> you like to pick your outfit based off of your shoes. I want to know: is this a thing? I never heard this before, but it's outstanding.
0: First of all, I will never be accused of being a trendsetter, so no, it's definitely not a thing. So I got. Uh, I'm a big Poshmark user. What is Poshmark? So it's a uh, app and a website where you can get. Well, frankly, sometimes they're used clothes. Oh
1: boy, (laughs) I'm on a budget. It's even better. It's even better.
0: Uh, And a lot of times they're like, I have. I I think there are those of us that gain weight or what have you that have items that they never have actually wore. The tags are still on them, and they're never going to fit you. You know,
1: I hate that. Now that you bring it up, I do have. Right when I got done playing I figured, i'm gonna buy some nice pants so i bought some nice pants and unfortunately i'm not the same physique i was when i was playing just you know a year and a half two years ago and now i'm now i keep telling myself i'm not getting rid of these pants right these are very they're very nice like motivational pants. they're very nice pants. i'm gonna get back to that spot and i'm telling myself this, I'm something how realistic is that like wow. now I'm, I'm an everyday guy now i'm just an everyday joe and now i'm With trying, dad bod. trying to do non-everyday joe things what am i thinking
0: uh, <laughs> it's really reassuring that a guy like you, who had so much success as an NFL player, is now facing similar problems than the rest problems, of us people. Real-world problems, they come
1: at you fast, man, I'm telling you. <laughs>
0: uh, well, anyway, I, I found a pair of black shoes that I really liked, and they have pink on them. They're Oregon uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Nikes. But I don't like to wear black shoes with shorts because i'm as white as your pullover i don't get a lot of sun and so my complexion you can identify with this as well it's just it's just a bad combo so i wear those when i wear pants
1: i think it all depends on what socks you wear see if you wear Mm. if you wear no shows you can pull off the black shoes with shorts yeah yeah or if you wear like low black socks I wouldn't suggest wearing high-white tube socks with black shoes and thinking you can pull shorts. Well, see, I did have tube socks
0: on, but that was because I was wearing pants. I wouldn't have worn those if I was. Anyway, you did not tune into the John Kuhn podcast, episode 14 or 15, uh, for fashion discussion, but that's where we are. Um, You have, I, I will say this, I don't know what your preparation was like as a player. I think it was probably pretty good, though, oh, because yeah. we know what a smart guy so. you are. You yeah. and the quarterback uh, and your rivalry for who knew the offense better. But here's the great thing about your preparation for this podcast, and here's the not-so-great thing. We're in the locker room. We're talking. We're getting ready. Had a great conversation with Blake Martinez. And then you show me this you You're lengthy, welcome. Yeah, you were great. <laughs> you really did. You've really got a bright future in this. Um you you show me this huge rundown on your phone of all these ideas that you have for the show for our for our podcast today. And then you never sent it to me. So I have no idea what you want to talk
1: about. Well, that's fine. I well let's just start with what's what's hot right now. What's like,
0: hot? Lo- uh the Houston Astros cheating. Uh Odell Beckham Jr. slapping a security guard on the butt.
1: That's what I want to talk about right
0: there. Okay. Because is that on the rundown on your phone?
1: What? No, it's not. Actually, late edition. The the rundown on my phone, which I'll here. Let me just let me copy and paste it, it let to me me. Just send it to you right Thank now. You. Um, but the rundown on my phone is more about the Packers and this upcoming NFC Championship game because simply, uh, I. I do digging. I do background for, for Sundays for preparation for the sideline. And I know this show, we probably want to go heavy on this next game. because of a big yeah, game. It's a big deal. So I just was going to give you that and probably <laughs> you'd use pieces for your articles for The Athletic. Oh, I up. totally will. <laughs> but th- that's what that was. But when when you bring up Odell Beckham, I can't help but think how many butts, male butts, have been smacked in a football locker room after a game, after a big game and after a victory, I would say millions. Sure. But I mean they're I
0: slapped after high school. But games.
1: I don't know if this one fits the fits the bill. I don't know if you can pull this one off. Now, we've all seen the video. He slaps a cop's butt.
0: Security guard. Okay.
1: Security guard looking like a cop. Yeah. Slaps his butt and then does a little jig afterwards. And I get it. I get it. Okay. Odell is a big part of that program. You know, he's he is a face in the NFL. Has right. been since he entered the league with his one-handed catch right. against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, I think it was. And they love him. LSU, the kids that are there, they love him. But at some point in time, you got to realize, I might be doing more harm than good. You know, it's great to go to the National Championship game. Heck, I was on the sideline for an Alabama-Clemson game. Actually, the last time Clemson lost at the Superdome as a part of the Bama uh, friends and family. Because really? I was there with Mark Ingram. So I understand how special it is for these kids, these athletes, and these great programs to see all these other great professional players. I'm not including myself. I'm I talking about Mark yeah. Ingram. <laughs> Coming in the locker room before and after games and, and being a part of that that, that big win in in those big moments, the final four, the championship game, and stuff. But at, at some point, it's like, man, I'm taking this opportunity to really be to really be a good figure here, to really, you know, make it more fun, more enjoyable, and show these kids how much I support them. And then I, I do something like this, and I think it hurts. I, I think it hurts them.
0: Well, and and remember, this situation unfolded after he was out there handing out wads of cash. That's the, see,
1: it's just.
0: <laughs> and look, I'm not, I, I will say this. Now, listen,
1: now, when I was in college, I will say this. My dad gave me $100 every time I scored a touchdown, just because he liked seeing me. Oh, Shippensburg booster. I, oh, yeah. So so he did. He gave me $100 every time I scored a touchdown in college, which to him was really big money. Right. And. For him was really big money because I scored a lot of touchdowns. Did you score like fifty some yeah, touchdowns yeah, in yeah, your career? Yeah. So I, so I, I made more money off my dad in college than I did off a scholarship. But <laughs> I guess they'll have to go back and take our P-SAC West Championship away.
0: So, look, and and this does not have to turn into the debate of whether college football players should be paid or yeah, not. Yeah, we're not going to
1: get into. It. I just, I just think seriously the the magnitude the moment the cameras all around celebrate give them high fives
0: dance with them but it's about them yes. not about you yes
1: exactly and just celebrate with them and, and and show them that you care about them and that you do think it's about them in this moment and i just think this is one of those instances where it doesn't look like it's about them to you
0: now that said um you know i don't traditionally slap a lot of people on the butt at this point in my life um And I don't think, even if it's a law enforcement rent-a-cop style cop, I'm still not sure that that would be something I'd feel comfortable with. Uh, That said, this does seem like pressing charges... Like, the guy was clearly embarrassed, right? And he well, ended see, up on my Twitter. Thing. That's
1: my thing. So when you are a face and you are kind of a caricature, like, you know, he is. He is. And, and you do all these things. That's fine and dandy. Go ahead. If, if, if you love yourself and, and you're comfortable in your own skin, I got no problem with you going out there, because the only person you're going to hurt through all this is possibly yourself. Correct. When you're doing these things. But what he did in that moment, you know, he hurt that. I mean, that officer was offended. You know, and now it's on all this social media. Everybody's looking at it. he's so now you you kind of took it a little too far like you. Yeah, not it make yourself. it worse? You didn't by- just, no, no, no. You didn't just hurt you. You kind of hurt the feelings of him. And then it brings all the attention to the players. And and is this a right role model for the players? So it just at some point in time, you just need to make a stand and be and, and say, hey, you, you took it too far. Now. Will all this fall through? It'll probably fall through, but it just—I I think more than the charges, it's just hey, the attention of this, this is not okay. Okay, you've taken it too far. It needs to—it needs to stop.
0: Yeah, I still would say. And look, there—you know, you and I—we have some similar qualities, and so does the quarterback. And I would say all three of us, to varying degrees, have some sensitivities. Um, don't want to be embarrassed. Don't want to be disrespected. That's why you hate it when I use that GIF of you and you're tripping over the cords. That
1: doesn't believe me. That doesn't bother me. <laughs>
0: but i would say that this security guard was embarrassed i would just say that by then filing charges against the guy i would be more embarrassed by that cuz then that makes me look like an even bigger weenie that would be my argument and i look like a weenie enough as it is i don't need to exacerbate my weeniness
1: it probably does but this is the only this is the only Hand of power, the only fight back this guy has, because believe me, he's not going to social media to try and make OBJ look bad. This is the only way he can possibly get an apology out of him.
0: Uh, Do no, you think uh, he should apologize? He should, okay. but I think there was and, probably a better and route but to th- go. But
1: don't you think if he does apologize, the officer might say, you know what? Thank you. I dropped the charges. Right. Couldn't uh, I, couldn't, maybe. Yeah, and we'll see where this will go.
0: I, I just, you know, I, I think you could have probably had some fun with it and made it something that you didn't look quite so whiny a little tattletail and you know i'm not a huge fan of that all right so that is our preview of the nfc championship game thanks for tuning well, in see you next week <laughs> so how are you you're, you know you're around this team in a much more closer fashion than even i am and certainly in a far closer fashion than most fans are able to so just give us a glimpse first into what the vibe in the building is because as you come up here to tape the podcast you know this is a part of the building but it is not a part of the building where the players are coming through all the time so you have a much better vibe being in the locker room me personally they seem like they're in a good place like they're not tight yeah they there's, seem
1: good there's no doubt there and we've talked on and on to the point where you get exhausted hearing about how this team shouldn't be 13 and 3 and all these ugly wins and stuff like that and i'm starting to see this team differently i and and I hate to sound like a Nostradamus or anything, I'm starting to feel this sense of divine intervention Ooh. coming in, where you you see them win, and they win in different fashion every week. Somebody else makes a big play. This happens here. It's always a close game. And you just start to think, man, the way these dominoes are falling into place on how this team has gotten to where it's gotten, how can you not feel like they have a punch or shot going out here against San Fran Is as formidable as this opponent is. I mean, I talking to Zedarius Smith after the last game, Mm -hmm. and he was getting tears in his eyes about how emotionally charged it's been for him to work alongside of Aaron Rodgers on this team Mm -hmm. and make this run. They both acknowledge it hasn't been perfect; it hasn't always been pretty. But they just talk about this sense of it's brought them all so close together, and. It just it just feels special. You can almost feel the script writing itself for this storybook down the line. And I think they believe it. It's not it's not phony. Um, they understand this daunting task at hand going back to San Francisco, but these guys believe that they're going to win. They believe that they made the changes after the last time they were out there. They haven't lost since they've been right, out there. Right. And they're feeling great about themselves. So I they are very, very confident.
0: So, Team of Destiny, Divine Intervention. So, a little history lesson, because this was, you were still running for many touchdowns worth $100 apiece at Shippensburg University. So, the 2003 team that our, our pal Tausch was on, that's what, how they felt, right? Down the stretch, you have the Favre game in Oakland. Then, the following week in the regular season finale, they kicked the Daylights out of Denver, And meanwhile, in Arizona, uh, Josh McCown, ageless Josh McCown, early in his career, throws a touchdown to Nathan Poole, which knocks the Vikings out of the playoffs and gets the Packers into the playoffs. They wouldn't have made it otherwise. Following a week after that, you see a Packers team that has uh, Matt Hasselbeck and the Seahawks in town for a wild-card game. Al Harris intercepts a pass after Matt Hasselbeck had the line about, we want the ball, we're going to score. Returns it for a touchdown, and overtime they win. And th- there is that Destiny's yeah. Child feeling. I, <laughs> The
1: Destiny's Child was, is classic. But the difference is the difference is this team hasn't needed divine intervention to get where it's at. I That's just, a good point. I just feel like this team has so many storylines that go above and beyond the stats that you see, above and beyond um, what analytics tell you this this is almost like one of those david versus goliath feels where it's it, nothing really makes sense on how this team should beat this other team but that's the reason why it actually happens it to me it's you can all the stories that'll be written after the packers win this game if they win this game will be endless about it started here with this player's only meeting right. it started here when they brought in this free agent and the, the you know the the personnel staff said you are brought here to bring back a championship i mean i have never in my life seen one man like Zadarius smith change an organization as fast as he has and i believe that i believe His attitude, not just his play on the field, I believe his attitude and the way he brings players along with him in a team fashion, a family fashion, is the primary reason for this team's success this year.
0: And and I don't know if he had that in Baltimore. He was a rotational player. He wasn't in that role, we so now it's the first that. time
1: he's been in it. We asked him about that, and he said, I always had Suggs to to do that there. I didn't need to do that. We didn't do that there. And and I think that's what this team needed more than anything. This team needed a guy, and, and Aaron's a tremendous leader, and Aaron garners every ear when he starts talking, everybody right. will listen. But But they almost just needed that other guy, that guy that was going to be like, I'm all in. I'm a great mm-hmm. player and I'm all in with Aaron. So you're either riding with us or you're riding outside the, you know, outside the car in somebody else's car and this is the way we're going. It's been magical. It really has the way they have won each and every one of these games in different fashion. I just I, I believe.
0: So one of the things that has been in their favor and you and I were standing around a laundry bin discussing this in the locker room earlier. You know, they beat Dallas. Dallas is already without their starting left tackle, and then they lose their right tackle in that yes. game. Uh, they beat Kansas City, yeah. and they're without Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. They go to Minnesota, and Minnesota's not only without Delvin Cook, but also Alexander Madison, so yep. they're without their top two running backs. Uh, 49ers, they ain't without anybody now. I'll They've gotten what, everybody back.
1: When you look at who they're getting back this week, or have back this week versus the first time, Quan Alexander, who when I was playing against him later in my career, I thought he was one of the best linebackers in the league, D. Ford, Matt Breda, and Joe Staley. I mean, Correct. they're bringing back four studs from the first time we played them, so they are getting better. But let me tell you where we got a lot better, too. All right. Yeah, tell us. We We got better. On the defensive side since that game, we talked, well, you'll talk about in The Athletic, about (laughs) how they had a a players-only meeting and and fixed their defense. What they did do, I I don't know about what they fixed in that meeting, because you'll tell us, but what they did do was they found a way to stop the explosive gains on first and second down. That made their third down percentage increasingly better because they've set themselves up better, and they've played good Uh, red zone defense all year. So in the last six games, including this last game against the Seahawks, are averaging less than 16 points per game. Their defense has gotten better. During this winning streak. Their defense has played better. Their offense, I believe the biggest difference in this offense, between then and now, is I think Devontae Adams is finally fully healthy. I don't know if he was fully healthy the first time around. It was only his third game back since the turf toe injury. And things did not look in sync. You've heard Aaron talk a lot this year about being in sync, being in rhythm. And boy, are they in rhythm right now. What Devontae Adams did against Seattle was something else. Uh, Double coverage. 45 yard touchdown he I mean he looks like he cannot be covered by one single man on earth right now. We'll find that out with Richard Sherman because he believes he is the best single coverage man on earth. and then uh, special teams they pick up a guy named Tyler Irvin and they have taken this return game from the depths of the lows, and, and now they are a viable return game that gets a first down on punt returns, that can return the ball when not kicked into the end zone. And and I believe that momentum carried over to the coverage teams because now their coverage teams are pretty darn good. And they're not just good. They're not just handling their assignments. They're doing it with physicality. They are better in all three phases from the first time they played. So this is not the same Green Bay Packer football team that played all the way back in Week 10.
0: So one of the great things that you that you hit on there is not only Zedarius Smith, who has been such a free agent addition, but when you look at Tyler Irvin and Swerve, I believe they call him. They call him, him Swerve. Uh, or even Jared here, who was retired, and that's another aspect of that 49ers game. That is vastly different now, is they lose Bulaga after nine snaps, and uh, Alex Light struggled. He's a young player still. He's still a developing player. That's a really good front, and he was overmatched. I don't think Jared Veld here, with over 100 career NFL starts, is going to be as rattled if it came to that. But now you've got both those guys. Let let me tell you,
1: if a guy's ever going to be rattled, he's going to be rattled when before the divisional round game, he's told 30 minutes before the game, (laughs) hey, bud, I know you've been brought in here off the streets, but you're going to start and you're going to play this entire football game. And he didn't miss a beat. And he went against Jadavion Clowney, and he let up one play in the round game where Jadavion slipped him inside. Jadavion's pretty good. Yeah, he's not bad. And he handled his business against him in this game with very little notice.
0: So you look at what Goody has done in bringing – both the star players in free agency and then these kind of under the radar additions and you can Rogers, call them
1: role players because that yeah. you know they they fit the bill and I always said, you know, the stars, you need stars that are gonna win you football games and you need role players that are just not going to lose it for you. They right. just need to keep afloat. They need to be the Vikings on the ship, rowing every time a star says row and they just need to stay in sync and keep that thing moving forward. And now they've got really good role players, you know, that keeps them going for the stars to take over and win football games.
0: Well, I do appreciate you reading The Athletic because I wrote about that as well. And here's what's interesting about it. So I use Kyler Fackrell as the great example. Ten and a half sacks a year ago, one sack this year. He's well behind on the depth chart, the two Smiths. He plays about a third of the snaps he played last year. And yet he makes the play against Carolina right, to make the tackle or make the play at the end of the game on Christian McCaffrey. He draws a holding penalty with a great rush against Kirk Cousins that wipes out a touchdown. Now, Kirk Cousins can't get that ball off if he isn't held, but if he doesn't get that rush, he doesn't need to be held, and then Kirk Cousins throws that, and it's 23-17. Is that hard for players to do? Because you did it...
1: Uh. I would say no. I, I would say guys that are comfortable with their spots, guys that realize I am that role player, they thrive in those moments. You know, you you get much little time at the table to eat, so you got to eat as much as you can while you're sitting there, and you got to eat it as fast as you can. You only get ten like the 15,
0: Nathan's hot dog. Contest. You
1: got ten fifteen minutes at the table. <laughs> eat up as much as you got. You got ten fifteen plays in a game. You better go get you some while you got that.
0: But as Kyler was telling me, he said, you know, look, I've been here four years now, and I've seen guys who've come in here and thought they should be playing more and complained about it and didn't accept playing a limited role. And, A, they were gone after that. But, B, you know, if you've got guys like that, they're probably not contributing the way you need them to and maybe you're not winning as much, right?
1: that's why I applaud what Goody did in in bringing those two guys in off the streets because it's very reminiscent to when we were struggling on special teams in 2010 and he brought in the three linebackers, uh, Briggs, uh, Wilhelm, and Walden. And Walden ends up starting outside linebacker for us, and and playing pretty well down the stretch. And Briggs and Wilhelm were really good special teams players for us. Made our special teams a lot better there in the playoff run. And you know, th- there you go. We just we just plugged a hole where where we were in the dam. Or
0: Howard Green.
1: Or Howard. I mean, I'm. I, I feel these these in season moves sometimes they get overlooked, but they are huge integral cogs in the wheel that keep this thing moving. And I think Goody did a heck of a job this year. I don't know if uh I don't know if we're here without these moves.
0: So when when you look at all the connections that are in this game, whether it's, you know, the mm. Bosa's and the Kumaro family, yeah. or more significantly, the friendship between Matt Lafleur and two guys that he really views as brothers in Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala, and oh by the way, his real brother too, mm-hmm. and the 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 other offensive kind of co-coordinator, um, the other Mike Mike. Another guy. There's another Mike on their staff, who's another one of his really good friends. I'll look it up. But so you're talking about such crossover between these. Well, you didn't even
1: mention that Shanahan was the OC for Patton when he was the head coach. Right. I mean, right. Th- this has so much connection to it. It's uh, it's almost incestual. You almost feel dirty going into the football <laughs> game, and I think that's going to be a big thing. You know, we heard Matt say before the first game. Oh, I joked, and I sent a text to Robert Sala about what kind. Of, what kind of tips do you have for going against your defense? And I texted my brother a couple of times, and I texted, you know, uh, Kyle a couple of times. But he he didn't do that this week.
0: No, he, he did said not. he
1: said no. This is a business trip. I'm not. I'm not texting these people. We have cut off communication. We have not talked. Um, I think that first time taught him a lesson you know you go out there and and I saw them before the game they were all taking pictures on the field he was taking pictures with his brother their families were out there a couple of the other coaches came over and took pictures and I couldn't help but think man this is really close to him. You know, they, they were doing the smile for the pictures, but they both almost looked like they were uncomfortable, like their eyes were a little watery. It was so yeah. emotional. It was so emotionally charged. I just thought, wow, this is, this is really a big, big moment for him to go mm-hmm. up against, you know, his, his mentor in, in Shanahan, his brother and his best friend and in the defensive coordinator. And man, this is really big. This, I hope this doesn't get in his head. And I think he is taking the approach this week of, That's just another man on the opposite side. It's not the guys I have history with. I think that is a key to this game. Um, When they get into it and they start calling plays back and forth and battling and going blow for blow, how does Matt uh, respond to that? Does he just react, the X's and O's on the paper, how he sees these pictures, and is he able to rebound and respond like that? Or does he ever think in his head, oh, man, they're over there doing it again. I know this is how they do it. And right. and, and, and that the human side to this is real, and I think he's taken the right approach this week and uh, so far leading up to the game. And if that can translate into the game and how he calls plays and, and how he prepares for it, we we could be looking at a pretty special thing coming Sunday.
0: Mike McDaniel is the other assistant, their run game coordinator on there offense, who's a good friend of his as well. All right. So one of the things that he acknowledged, and we heard Devontae talk about this earlier in the week, not such a great game plan the first time around. Uh, Now, obviously, when you lose 37-8... to um, it's pretty easy to say, well, it must not have been a very good game plan. But that's not necessarily the case, right? Yeah. I mean, it could be execution. There's a lot of things. You know, I can't help but think, what would the
1: game plan have looked like if Devontae didn't get that silly personal foul after the first first down, Right. And they weren't backed up, which led to the sack fumble, which led to down seven. The defense actually played pretty good for the first 27 minutes. It wasn't until the big play touchdown right before half, followed by a three and out, followed by another field goal, that the thing actually started to feel You're like right. it got out of hand. So I think the I, I don't know if the game plan was that bad. Let's say Devontae doesn't get that penalty and they do stall at midfield and they punt the ball deep into uh, Niner territory, we could be talking about a whole different start of this game. Right. I, I think the start of the game is huge. I think the start of the game is very huge. Now, let's just talk about the game plan a minute since you brought it up. Now, these guys know each other's game plan very well. The, the Packers and the, the, the 49ers offenses are very, very similar. Um, the difference is those players and those guys have been running that system now for three years. Right. That coaching staff has been calling that system for 10 years. Our coach has been calling it for two years, once as an OC and now once as a head coach, and our guys have been running it for one. Right. So You're right. That, there's there's a little difference there. They have a little bit of an advantage there with how their system looks versus ours. So that, that's the game plan there. But now I go back to the game. Fast start. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur this year, with a with an exception to that game and probably the LA Charger game, they have gotten off to fast starts. That tells me that this system, this game plan works when they get it rolling, when they get it started, when they're, when they're paying attention to their keys, and, it, and it's scripted. Where they have struggled is later in games, later in halves, before they've made their adjustments. They seem to have these stalling out periods. Uh, if, they can, if they can adjust faster, if they can continually be evolving throughout the course of the game and have that fast start, that's the key to the game, in my opinion.
0: And you know, the crazy thing about that game, and I'm not saying that they would have come back to win, but it's 23 to nothing and then they finally have a touchdown drive right and then they get the two-point two point conversion and it's 23 to 8 and now yes two more touchdowns and two more two point conversions and it's 24 23 yeah but we and it's still the third quarter when that happens like the game is not over over right i mean i'm not saying they're going to do what Kansas City did last week to Houston and put like 50 points on the board but they completely short circuit that opportunity with what you talked about earlier with the defense Two plays after Devontae scores on the two-point conversion, there's George Kittle with a busted coverage, with bad communication, Mm -hmm. with Kevin King chasing, but it's really on the two safeties for the play. Mm -hmm. 61-yard touchdown. Now it's over. Now you're done.
1: Yeah. And – it's really, these games, they have such a momentum swing to them. You saw it last week with Seattle when they started getting their offense rolling and what kind of levels that right. brought, that lifted Russell Wilson to. Now he's breaking three tackles on a play before he throws the pass. It's, it, it, momentum plays a huge, huge thing in this, um, and that's why I go back to the fast start. Remember last week when I told you around this building, I just had the feeling that if the Packers protected the football and didn't allow a big play, like a trick play or a big special teams play, a block punt or something like that, if they didn't allow those things to happen, that I felt like they would win. There's there's reason if to believe that if you're in San Francisco right now, you have that same mindset right now. That's true. And if the Packers can go out early in this ball game and get a turnover or get a big special teams play, or heck, make a huge explosive play on offense for a touchdown, and they can jump out there, that pressure will completely flip to the San Francisco sideline for those guys, and they'll think, oh man, now now we got the pressure on us. And I think that's the momentum that the Green Bay Packers can use in their favor coming in here as the underdogs.
0: So if if you're saying that they need to make those plays, do they have to do them in... Unexpected ways, like do they ha- I'm not saying that they should do a uh, end-around, reverse, throwback to Aaron Rodgers. Although apparently everybody likes to throw the ball to the quarterback lately. Yeah. Um. But what? How do they do that? How do you manufacture that without well, it being crazy?
1: It, you know, it's funny when you look at these two offenses. It, they they will throw things at you when you least expect it. So that George Kittle touchdown that you talked about in the first game that came out of a three tight end set. You're right. right. Yep, and, yep. and that's not generally the set you're in to throw a shot play. And if it is, it's normally to that one wide receiver that's out there on the field. You're right. Well, no, they, they created a play that looked exactly like run and they set it up beautifully and they hid the wide receiver behind the line and that got Kittle deep. That's their shot play maker and they ran it out of a normal run down and distance. Now the Packers, when you look last week, Devontae's double team touchdown, they did that with three tight ends on the field too. Yeah. So there are ways that you can create big plays in unexpected moments. Also, big games. This is th- th- these are the playoffs now. This is normally when you see the reverse pass. When you see uh, Philly special, the Philly special. Um, you see fake punts. We saw them you know, in the Houston game. It didn't work, but
0: saw in Seattle.
1: Th- yeah, that's
0: fake, the field, fake goal. field
1: goal. I mean, this is when you see this stuff. People save these things for the big games. Just keep in mind now, Emmanuel Sanders has thrown a touchdown pass already this year. Okay, so there are trick plays to be had on both sides of the ball. I don't know. The thing when we talk about the Packers is this is a much different game than, than what they've played the last six weeks in their six wins. This is a game where the Packers can play a good game not a great – If they, they could play a very good game here and still end up losing if they don't
0: create some opportunities. So how do you – look, you obviously want to get takeaways. Jimmy G, I think there's been some measure of – He will throw the pill up now. Right. He will throw the pill up. And there seems to be, for my, for Kyle Shanahan, a little bit of a, uh, I love my guy, I don't always trust my guy. You know, a lot of people
1: say that, and it's. It, I would love to, to be a fly on the wall – when he's just creating game plans with his coaches to find out if that's really the case. But you have some merit in what you're saying. And last week after he threw the interception, right. they ran the ball 13 times in a row. Right. Coming, with, with success. With success. I mean, that helps. But he, I mean he went back to just leaning on the run game. My scouting report on Jimmy G is this. He will take chances. He will throw the ball up. And he loves to throw the ball Across the middle, he loves that ball between the hashes in the middle of the field. I think we have to play zone, keep everything in front of us don't don't try and match up man on these guys that much because George Kittle he's a matchup nightmare, and if you go and throw your best coverage guy on him like a corner, you know which which teams have done in the past, now you're talking about a second round draft pick who's starting to come into his own form in Debo Samuel, who's just looking like a stud. And yeah. Emmanuel Sanders, the guy that the great Mark Tauscher wanted to trade for. Oh, he sure did. Now you got those two guys. That, so that I, I don't know if this is a game that you want. I don't know if it's the track meet you want to go running with these horses in. I think you want to play zone, make Jimmy G, make the reads. We've proven that we have had a pretty successful pass rush, even when we don't make sacks, mm-hmm. the pressures and the quarterback hits. I think he feels that. I think he'll throw the ball and give it to us.
0: So what about on the flip side for the Packers' offense? Because this is a front four that can generate pressure. We talked a little bit about Bulaga's injury the last time and how different they are when they have him in the lineup. But it would seem to me to be a defense that will be very difficult to find holes in with one maybe glaring exception, Yeah, and that's the corner opposite of... of of Richard Sherman's Witherspoon.
1: Yeah, when you when you look at it, Witherspoon was a guy he's he's pretty much started all year with an exception to when he got injured, and I can't speak for him at the beginning of the year, the first 3 games before he got injured, um, but but since he had that injury, he has not quite been the same. Yeah, you know, he'd he actually played pretty decent against us, but he hasn't been the same for the second half of the year to the point where the biggest drive of the biggest game of their season, the last regular season game against Seattle, they they benched him for the last drive of that game against Seattle. And then that leads into their divisional round game where he starts again. I mean, they're trying to make him the guy because he's got great length and he's got great athletic ability. But they target Kirk Cousins targets him early in the game. First two drives, he goes three for three for seventy yards, a pass interference, and a touchdown against him. They yank him. Right. And, and what's worse than that right. is when he when he let up the touchdown before he even got benched, he put his head down and he walked to the sideline and he knew it was his time to be yanked. So, so now they have a guy who is more than likely going to be starting out there, and. And that guy's name is eluding me right now, but he's he's going to be out there starting this guy doesn't he's never started an NFL game in his life, and now he's going to start the NFC championship game. That to me is who you attack you know, and if you have success against him, I hope they throw in Witherspoon because there's no way he has any type of confidence left trying to trying to match up against wide receivers on uh, on that end so i would I would attack opposite of Richard Sherman to me when you look at that defense. That is probably the only weak spot that they have. And they play that 33 buzz defense. It helps that we played that last week against Seattle. I asked Devontae about that. He says, man, they're, they're different animals. You know, this isn't that Seattle defense, which I acknowledge. But he also said, hey, being able to face the same type of defense, that same cover three, we know what our, our reads are going to look like. We know what our post snap reads are going to be. And, uh, and, and, they, they feel much more comfortable doing that in this game uh, because they had just faced that last week.
0: Emmanuel Mosley. Emmanuel
1: Mosley, that's the one.
0: So if you have a, a crisis of confidence like that guy's had in Witherspoon, if you're a coach, do you give him another try? Well, that's why, I mean, like, I don't how do think so. d- What do, do you do I, there? I don't
1: think there's any way he starts in this game. Like, th- th- This game's too big. I'd be very surprised if they marked him. And you him. hope
0: the other guy can handle the job. You
1: hope the other guy can handle the job. Like I said, this is that guy's first time starting in a National Football League. It's in the NFC Championship game. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. Everybody says, you know, he's, he's, he's scrappy, he's tough, you know. That sounds like a pass interference to me. Right. And you can form, you can format the uh, the the offense so that you get Devontae Adams on that side, and you can get three receivers on it. They don't flip, Richard Sherman. Well, that's Sherman's, what I wanted to Richard ask you Richard Sherman's going to play his side, and I know we talked about not being afraid of Richard Sherman. I don't go near him in this game. I'm staying on the left side of the that offense. That went
0: so well in the 2014 opener.
1: I'm st- I don't care. I'm staying away from Richard Sherman. I'm staying at the left side of this defense. That's, that's what I'm targeting, and I'm going to mix it up with the run game.
0: So if you're, though, trying to scheme up uh, a, a plan for Devontae to get him open, because, look, the 49ers are a bunch of smart people. You don't even have to be that smart after what Devontae Adams did last week against Seattle. But,
1: but at You the cannot end of the day, let him beat you again. Jason, the end of the day, it's about the players. It's about the players. It, it, and, and Devontae Adams, you, you're not covering him. He, the Seattle Seahawks couldn't double-team him and, and stop him. Correct. It's, it, it always comes down to the players at the end of the day. And there's, there's a spot where if we put Devontae Adams over there, they're not covering him. Now, I'm not saying you just exclusively put Devontae to the left side, but I would put Devontae to the left side more times than not. Okay. And you just hope that, you know, you can create some stuff with that. Now, if you put Devontae to the left side and they double team him and you run him wide then you're opening up the middle now. You're opening up the middle for guys like Alan Lazard and Jimmy Graham can who they, came alive last year. Can heat. they take advantage can of that? Can they take advantage? You know, and, and that's, that's going to be you know, the secondary role for these guys. Can they take advantage of the opportunities there? And then you throw a guy outside and you put Devontae in the slot and you see what kind of work he does in the seams, which is the, 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 the thought to be the hole in his defense is the quick seams.
0: All right, so you had your big, long rundown. Anything that we missed on it? I don't
1: know. What did? What do you think?
0: Well, I, it was long. It was. I mean, <laughs> I took a lot of scrolling in my iMessages.
1: I. I. Here's the deal. I, I. broke down this game a lot, and uh, I, I watched a lot of film on San Francisco. I watched a lot of film on us, and I do think we are a better team than the first game around. I do think top to bottom, their roster is better than ours. Right. But. But the, in the third year, there's. But a- I. But I go back to saying that. There's something special about this football team. There's just, there's just, there's just something special. It makes you feel like you can win every football game. And sometimes, believing is reality. And I just, I can't wait for it to get here because I, I really think that, you know, they're going to be a lot better than the first time around. They're not going to make the foolish mistakes this time around. Like you said, Balaga being healthy and Valdir back in the mud. I mean, just just all all across the board I feel much better about this team than than what I did the first time they played
0: How much is on your old buddy Aaron Rodgers
1: I think this is I think this could wind up to be the biggest victory. If he can win this game, this could be the biggest victory of his career. I don't think there's pressure on him because, as we said, when you're a 7-plus point underdog, and I just admitted that I think their roster top to bottom is right. you know is more talented than ours. I don't think there is the pressure there um, that he has to win or he looks bad, but I think the pressure is there that... If he does win, this is a a signature win in an already Hall of Fame career. I go back to there's maybe three games that I think are as impressive of victories, and obviously the Super Bowl is one of them. I go back to the Dallas divisional round because not a whole lot of people thought they were going to go in there and win that game in 2016 the way that they did with that battered defensive backfield the way that they had. And then I go back to the 2013 last game of the year, his first game back from an injury leading the Packers to a fourth-quarter victory over the Bears for the division. Those are the three games that I see as his three biggest signature wins in his career. Those are great. And I think this one, if if he pulls this one off, will top all of them.
0: So does he need to play? Because the other one that I would recall that jumps out at me is during your Super Bowl run. Him going down to Atlanta and yeah, here's just the being about Atlanta. perfect. Here's the,
1: here's the difference about Atlanta. There was a, a, a now I'm, I was inside the locker room, so I felt there was a lot of people who felt like the Packers were better than the yeah. Atlanta Falcons,
0: including State. all yeah. you guys when we, you left after yeah, you played them the we, first yeah,
1: time. We all felt like we were going to get another crack at that team. We all felt like we were going to beat that team, and I don't think a lot of people picked us going into that game, but I think there were people at least. They they at least thought we had a better chance in that game than this one. I don't think anybody is giving the Packers much of a chance outside of this stadium, outside of me and you. I don't think there's a whole lot of people giving these guys a chance. And yet, I think they can go in there and pull this off. And I think if they do, that's what makes it Aaron's signature victory of his career.
0: And they don't need him to play at the level he played that game in Atlanta in the 2010 playoff game That'd but what nice. do they need it'd be nice be great. Would, they would definitely <laughs> win if he played like yeah.
1: that um, I think what it's going to take is it's going to take a game similar to what you've seen as good games be like this year um, he doesn't now it'd be great again, but I don't think it's going to take 400 yards and and four touchdowns. Although that that would definitely do it, I think it's <laughs> going to take when it is when it is time for him to make the play that he does make the
0: play, like he did with Seattle, like he did
1: with Seattle. It's it's you that Detroit line. It can't look like the first half of the Detroit line game. It needs to look like the second half of the Detroit line game, and it needs to look like that. Every time his number's called, every time he, it's his turn to make the play, which will be 25 to 30 times this game, right. he needs to make that play. on, and, and sometimes
0: the right play is just a quick check down for five yards. You're right, and that is one thing he's talked a lot about. All right, so a week from today, we will sit down for another episode of the John Coon Podcast, and we'll either be wrapping up the season or we'll be talking about how they're in there the the midweek, the, the middle week between the conference championship games and heading to Miami.
1: And if we're in that if we're in that situation, you yourself will start admitting that divine intervention has played a part yeah. in this magical season.
0: I think they have been magical. I think I agree with the roster point. I think they're going to lose a close game. I, I now I will not I will say this. I will not be shocked if they win. And and, and you would not be shocked if they win. I would not be win, shocked if they win.
1: But me and you will both say this. The importance of even just a close loss will 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 mean everything to this organization going into next season, I believe. I, I think you can talk about um a, a good loss and this wouldn't be I mean you, you you're here now you right. want you're to, here win, to win right. But if they compete and they battle and this goes down to the wire, I can see this team next year being from the start out the gates one of the teams to beat in the NFL, one of the favorites right. for a Super Bowl run going into twenty twenty.
0: We will see what we're doing next week. That is the John Coon podcast for this week Packers 49ers on Sunday for a trip to the Super Bowl we'll talk about it next week thanks for it.